Hey, buddy, what you doing? Is it Christmas yet? No, sorry, not yet. I can't wait for Christmas. Yeah, I can't wait for Christmas either. In fact, let's celebrate now. <laughs> Welcome to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. <laughs> it's June 25th, 2017, and that means there's six more months until Christmas. Today on the show, we're going to talk about Jesus' birthday, which seems a bit redundant for a show about Christmas, but we'll see how it goes. We'll also count down the best Christmas songs to listen to when it's hot outside. I've got a new Christmas recipe for you, some Christmas movie news, some listener email, and we're going to have a supersized debate about Die Hard. Okay, let's start the show. Hello and welcome. I am Tim Babb. I am your host for the 25th episode of the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. That's right. It's the 25th episode of a show that's all about December 25th, and this episode is airing on June 25th. It's 25th terrific. Of course, June 25th is Leon Day, which means 50% of the waiting for Christmas is over. So, we can play the traditional Leon Day carol. Good times. Yes, it is good to know that Christmas is only half a year away, but I can't wait six months. I need a little Christmas. Now. We need a little Christmas now. This tip for bringing a little holiday joy into your life any day is a recipe I found when looking for easy dinner ideas for my family. And this definitely qualifies as easy. It's called the Thanks Again Witch, which technically makes this a Thanksgiving-themed recipe, but I eat the same meal for both holidays, so I'm going to call this a Christmas meal. All you need is a package of Stover's roast turkey breast, two slices of wheat or multigrain bread, two tablespoons of whole berry cranberry sauce, and some cracked black pepper. You just prepare the Stover's turkey like it says on the package, and then toast the bread. Then you spread the mashed potatoes evenly on each slice of the bread. Uh, in case you're wondering where the mashed potatoes came from, they're included with the Stover's turkey. Then you add a tablespoon of cranberry sauce to each slice of bread. Then you add the turkey and gravy on top, and you've got yourself an open-faced Christmas sandwich, or a thanks again which I guess. I've put a link to the recipe in the show notes of this episode at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. Try it, and let me know what you think. In the meantime, we'll move on to our countdown feature, Five Golden Things. It is summer here in the U.S. In fact, as of this recording, we've just come off a major heat wave. So songs about sleigh rides and snow kind of clash with the reality at times like this. Now you know how we feel down under. Are you supposed to be an Australian guy? Yeah, my accent is spot on, wouldn't you say? Please stop talking forever before we lose all our Australian listeners. All right then, so long, mate. Oi. Well, anyway, I'd still like to listen to some Christmas music on Leon Day, so today I'm counting down my five favorite warm weather Christmas songs. Fair warning, there are going to be some deep cuts in here, some songs you may never have heard of, by some artists you may never have heard of. But maybe you'll find a new favorite on this list somewhere. All right, let's jump right in with... Number five. Christmas in L.A. by Wolfpack. All the little children and all the big children, it's Christmas in L.A. All the ladies and gentlemen, 
as promised, a deep cut right off the bat. I'd never even heard of this song until a few years ago when my old roommate introduced it to me. It's got a fun sound that's kind of a mix of 70s Stevie Wonder and 80s Michael Jackson, and that is right in my wheelhouse. And it's all about Christmas in the City of Angels. You can crank this one up on a hot day, and it doesn't feel odd at all. Number four. Australian Jingle Bells by Bucko and Champs. Kelpie by my side, singing Christmas songs. It's summertime and I am in my singlet shorts and thongs. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Another deep cut, at least for us here in the U.S. I'd never even heard of Bucko and Champs until I started doing research for this list. The name sounds like a cartoon show. But Jingle Bells is one of my favorite carols, and when I heard there was an Aussie version, well, first I was sad I didn't include it in the Jingle Brawl last year, but I had to check it out. And it doesn't disappoint. It's a fun look at a Christmas celebration in the summer heat. Perfect for Leon Day. Do you want me to chime in on this one? No! Would you please get out of here? All right. Number three. Christmas Island by Bob Archer and the Dinning Sisters. Hello, How'd you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? How'd you like to spend a holiday away across the sea? This may be a controversial pick, not because of the song itself, it perfectly fits the theme, it's all about spending Christmas on a tropical island, but this version may not be the most popular version. The Andrew Sisters and Jimmy Buffett both recorded versions of this song, but the Bob Archer version is the first one I heard. I found it on a random Christmas compilation CD I found, and I've enjoyed it ever since. So this is my favorite version of the song, and that's why it's on this list. So, sorry Andrew Sisters, sorry Jimmy. Number two. Christmas in the Sand, Colby Calais. another one I found just by doing research for this list. In fact, I didn't even think I'd ever heard of Colby Callier before, until I was trying to figure out how to pronounce her name, and I found out she sang the song Lucky with Jason Mraz. So I have heard of her, and I like at least one of her other songs. Anyway, this song is super silly. It's about how Colby catches Santa surfing. At one point, she thinks she drank too much because Rudolph's nose is glowing green. It is weird. But the tune is super catchy, so I plopped it right here at number two. Before we get to the big one, we've got... Honorable Mentions! All I Want for Christmas is a Real Good Tan, Kenny Chesney. All I want for Christmas is a real good tan Tag me to the islands, put my feet in the sand Rock into and roll with the rhythm of the ocean Sing silent night with the palm trees a-blowing A great song about getting away to some sunny paradise funny and ironic around Christmas time, but super appropriate for Leon Day. Number one. Maka, Bing Crosby. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright, the sun to shine by day and all the stars at night. Maka is a wise way to say Merry Christmas to you. My mom had a Bing Crosby record that she'd play every Christmas. Well, technically she still has it, and she just burned it onto a CD. Anyway, this was always one of my favorite songs on the album. I always thought it would be fun to spend Christmas in Hawaii. I've never done it, but I can dream. I can dream. 
So, that's my list. Did I leave any out? What are your favorite warm weather Christmas songs? Leave a comment on our website or email me at christmas at tancast.com. Speaking of emails, let's take a quick peek into Santa Bab's mailbag. Santa Bab, he is gonna read some emails from you. Or tweets. Or Facebook messages to Santa Bab, he is opening up his mailbag tonight. Next month is our two-year anniversary show, and I'd like to do what we did last year and have the whole show be emails and comments from listeners like you. So I'm keeping a few emails tucked away for next time, but I thought I could at least share one today. This one's from Rachel, who writes... Hi, Tim. Love your podcast. It might even be safe to say it is my favorite pod, and I listen to many. When I woke up this morning, I didn't realize what the date was right away. When I spotted it was the 25th, you bet I couldn't open my pod app fast enough to look for you. Thank you for all the work you put into your podcast. Seriously, it's been a great distraction and a comfort to me on many occasions. Well, I'm glad you like it, Rachel, and thank you so much. Uh, She goes on to say, This email might be a touch on the lengthy side, so I'll try to break it down into subjects. She's breaking it down into subjects. That's how you do it. I love a good breakdown. All right, now you stop that. Fair enough. First, do I think Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yes. Yes, I do. As a Christmas freak, sometimes it is difficult to get my holly jolly supplements when I'm married to a man who maybe perhaps doesn't enjoy Christmas as much as I do. So when I'm jonesing for a little Christmas right now, I suggest that we watch a movie like Die Hard or The Princess Bride or Gremlins or Ghostbusters or even Prometheus. I saw that little Christmas tree in there. Oh, yes, I did. Basically, it's a Christmas movie because I need it to be, so I can keep my Christmas freak flag low-key until there's less chance of irritating the pre-Reformation Scrooges in my life. Why can't we have a sliding scale of Christmas movies? Some that are barely Christmassy at all, like Prometheus at the low end, and ones that are more traditionally jolly at the high end. While I would place Die Hard in the top half of the scale, at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned, it's still a Christmas movie. It happens near Christmas time, there's a Christmas party, there's Christmas decorations, there's Christmas-themed jokes. That's way more than I need to give it a place on my sliding scale. Nice. She snuck in a little Die Hard debate early. Clever. Well, we'll get to more of that Die Hard debate later in the show, but let's get back to Rachel's letter. Second, I want to thank you for mentioning Patrick Stewart on your Five Golden Things list in episode 15. He is easily my favorite Scrooge and one of my favorite actors. We love ourselves some beef stew in this house. No doubt, Rachel, Patrick Stewart is a national treasure. Well, I guess he's not from America. Fine, he's a world treasure. Yeah, I said it, and I stand by it. Third, I live in northeastern Ohio, so close to the Pennsylvania border that my neighbors about a quarter mile up the street have a Pennsylvania address. Anyway, in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, there's a store called Cranax, and in September, they open Christmasland, or Santa Lane. The names are pretty interchangeable. It's a long aisle that the employees set up every year with Christmas-themed displays for the customers to admire. There's lights, decorated trees, scented candles, stuffed animals, some animated creatures, and music in each display, not to mention that when it's a little closer to Christmas, Santa himself is waiting for you at the end of the displays. They decorate the trees with ornaments that they sell in the store, so it's like getting a preview of how they might look on your own tree. Visiting Cranax was a part of my childhood, and I find that I want to continue visiting every year, even as an adult. Though my husband and I don't have any children, we still have established a tradition of visiting soon after they open in Santa Lane and picking out two new ornaments for our tree. Plus, I get to share this piece of my childhood with my nieces and watch them enjoy the displays as much as I did as a wee one. That does sound pretty cool, Rachel. I'm a little jealous, to be honest. I would like to check out something like that. Uh, Fourth, Leon Day. Thank you for talking about Leon Day. I had heard of Christmas in July, but I didn't realize that Leon Day was actually a thing. This year, my family and I will be on a trip for Leon Day, but that's not going to stop me from sharing it with them. Oh, no. I plan to make little travel bags for each person, filled with their favorite snacks and goodies for the drive. It would probably be a safe bet that the Leon Day card I bought from your Zazzle store will be the first Leon Day card my mother-in-law has ever received. I can imagine how confused she'll be. Yes, I'm smiling. 
I think that's all I wanted to share with you. Is that enough? Thank you again. Happy very early Leon Day. Sincerely, Rachel. Well, thank you, Rachel. Since it is Leon Day today, I hope your family trip is going well. Wait, does that mean you're listening to this right now with your family? Hi, Rachel and her family. Hope you're having a happy Leon Day. Rachel is awesome, and be sure and thank her for the goodie bags. Well, like I said, next episode will be all listener feedback, so please send your emails in to christmas at tancast.com so we can read them on next month's show. One moment, I'm told we have a Christmas bulletin coming in over the wire. That means it's time for All I Want for Christmas is News. Baby, all I want for Christmas is news. Yeah. Give me that news, baby. This news comes from the bustling town of Hollywood. A new Christmas movie is in the works. We've had plenty of movies about Santa Claus. In a few years, we'll be getting a movie about Mrs. Claus. Melissa McCarthy will be starring in Margie Claus. It's the story of Santa going missing on Christmas Eve, and Mrs. Claus has to mount a rescue mission. Oh, and there'll be music, as in Melissa is going to sing. I am all in for this. I love Melissa McCarthy, and I love the idea of Mrs. Claus being the star of a movie. I'm in. Shut up and take my money, as the kids say. But we'll have to wait because the release date isn't until November 15th, 2019. So, in the meantime, let's move on to our feature segment. Alright, we're going to try something new for Leon Day. I didn't actually write today's feature. I outsourced it to my new intern, Phil. See, normally I do all the writing and research for this show, but Phil approached me and said he's a big Christmas fan and wanted to be involved in the show, and I said, why not? I'm no Scrooge. Plus, I like the cut of this kid's jib. So today, we're going to hear a feature written and researched by Phil the intern. What do you got for us, Phil? Okay, says here that today's feature we will attempt to answer the question, when was Jesus born? Seriously, are you kidding me with this, Phil? This is going to be the shortest segment ever. It's December 25th, duh, nailed it, segment over. Come on, Phil, this was your big shot. What research did you do for this? Look at a calendar? Well, I'd like to warn our affiliates that we'll be going short this month. Oh, what's this? There's reason to believe Jesus was not born on December 25th? Come on, it's right there in the Bible. Wait, what's this? The date December 25th is not in the Bible? Well, then where'd we get that date from? Wait, wait. How many of these papers do you have? Just give me that whole pile right there. Okay, so early Christians didn't celebrate birthdays because they felt it was a pagan tradition. Hmm. In fact, the origin of celebrating birthdays likely comes from the annual celebrations of Egyptian and Greek gods, so naturally there isn't any mention of celebrating Jesus' birthday while he was alive. And even after his death, it would be centuries before celebrations of Christmas started. Okay. The earliest record we have of the Christmas celebration on December 25th is under the Roman Emperor Constantine in the year 336. But why did he choose that date? Especially since there are so many different theories as to the day of Jesus' birth. We got May 20th, March 21st, April 15th, or April 20th, or April 21st. Come on! I'm not reading all these. Suffice to say, there are a lot of theories about the day, and a lot of them seem to be in the spring. Which makes sense if you think of the passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Well, the sheep are out at night, it's probably not going to be the bitter cold of winter, right? Of course, there are other clues that lead to the conclusion that Jesus was born in the fall. If we look at when the Bible says Elizabeth became pregnant with John the Baptist, it was after Zechariah returned from his priestly duties, which would have been around the middle of May or early to mid-June. Then the Bible says that she lay hidden for five months, and that's when the angel visited Mary to say she was pregnant with Jesus. So you count nine months from that, and you get September. So again, how do we end up with the date of December 25th? 
No, Phil, I'm asking you. How do we get that date? There's no more on these papers. Are you kidding me? You had that whole other folder this whole time? Just give me the thing. Okay, it says here that it was an early Christian tradition that the day Mary was told by the angel that she was pregnant with Jesus was on March 25th. So, nine months after that is December 25th. Boom! That explains... Oh, wait. There's more. Oh, apparently there was an ancient Jewish belief called Integral Age that said that prophets or other holy men died in the same day they were conceived. An early Christian author, Tertullian placed the date of Jesus' crucifixion as, quote, on the eighth day before the calends of April, end quote. So that puts it at March 25th, which, when you do the nine-month thing again, gets you right back to December 25th. Huh. Well, a couple of theories. Oh, there's another one? These are double-sided? Hang on. Oh, I'd actually heard of this one. So a very popular theory of why the date December 25th was picked is that it was a recruiting strategy for the Christian church. You see, there was a popular festival known as Saturnalia to honor the Roman god of agriculture, Saturn. It started on December 17th and ran until December 23rd. It was full of dancing, singing, nudity, gift-giving, and all sorts of... Wait, what? Nudity? Oh, why did you print out pictures? Oh, Phil, I can never unsee that. All right, well... There were some things that Saturnalia shares with modern-day celebrations of Christmas, but there was also a very seedy side to the festival. As Christianity became more popular, Romans were not awfully fond of giving up their more debaucherous traditions. So the legend goes that the Christian leaders promised the Romans that they could still have their celebrations since Jesus' birthday was right around the same time. So they could do the same stuff, it would just be Christmas instead of Saturnalia. Not entirely sure how this would work, since many of the customs of Saturnalia aren't exactly befitting the celebration of our Lord and Savior's birth, but that is the story. So somewhere in all these theories is the reason we celebrate on December 25th. Except, of course, for the people who celebrate on January 7th. Yeah, in some Eastern Christian churches, they celebrate December 25th on the Julian calendar, which is January 7th on the Gregorian calendar. So, to sum up, Jesus was born in January, March, April, May, September, or December. We did it! We narrowed it down to half the months on the calendar. But this is good, really. I'm actually glad Jesus' actual birthday might not be December 25th, because that means he won't get gypped with combo birthday Christmas presents anymore. He can have a whole separate party. Way to go, Phil. The perfect gift for the man who literally has everything. This has turned out better than I thought. I might actually have you make another segment for us sometime. Oh, oh my. I got him excited. <laughs> that is some fancy dancing, Phil. But we got to move on to our next segment. It's time for the results of our latest Who Sang It Best. <laughs> When we last met, we put Jim Carrey's version of You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, against the Brian Setzer Orchestra's version, and voting was tight. A week or two after the last show, I posted on our Facebook page that the votes were tied. That day, we got a bunch more votes, but the votes were still tied. It was only the last few weeks that the winner was able to pull away, and that winner, with 53.8% of the vote, is Brian Setzer. Thanks to everyone for your votes. We'll have another face-off next week, and I'd love it if it was your idea. Do you have two versions of the same song that you'd like to see go at it? Email us at christmasatancast.com, and we could use yours on next month's show, and you could help us decide who sang it best. But now, it's time to head out to the coast and have a few laughs as we answer our year-long question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? It's Christmas Eve in L.A. Welcome to the party, pal! Die Hard, a Christmas movie. 
Last episode, I made mention that we weren't getting a lot of emails about this. Well, you stepped up in a big, bad way with emails and comments on the website. I'm going to try and get to as many as I can today, starting with this extra-long one from Michelle. She even sent in a second draft to make sure she got her point across right. That's what I call Christmas dedication, friends. Here it is. She writes... Hello, Tim. My name is Michelle. I live in Caldercruix in Scotland with my partner and our two children, three and one years old. I really meant to get this done before now, and I was gutted when I listened to this month's podcast and you hadn't had any messages, especially as you are about to find out I have a lot to say. Well, we do. I got my partner Brian involved on this, as he certainly would say, yippee ki yay. Your podcast is genuinely fantastic, and unlike some other Christmas-themed podcasts, totally gives me the Christmas feel-goods. Smiley face. Thanks for sharing your time and love for Christmas with us. Well, you are very welcome. Thank you for enjoying it. Now to business, lol. My partner Brian thinks that the fact that the film's plot relies on Christmas activities and the presence of Christmas trees and songs makes it a Christmas film. Other films let you know that they take place at Christmas, but it only is a background reference and not essential to the plot. Prometheus, for example, has a Christmas tree in the cockpit of the ship, but no other mentions are made of the season. Hey, you and Rachel should talk because you're both talking about Prometheus, a movie I haven't seen, but apparently I need to. Anyway... John is visiting his family for Christmas, and his wife has had to move for her career. Her company are holding a Christmas party at the office, but the rest of the vast building remains empty, giving the opportunity for the bad guys to hold so many people hostage. When John is in the limo on the way to his wife's work, the driver plays a Christmas song, but not a traditional song, nor in a traditional style. There are regular reminders of Christmas, the corpse of Blonde Guy 1 arriving by lift, elevator in USA chat, lol, with a ho-ho-ho message and a Santa hat on, Christmas tree in the police radio, as well as on the other floor of the Nakatomi building, policeman singing Oh, the weather outside is frightful when he leaves Nakatomi Plaza, Twas the night before Christmas when the guy, Theo, according to IMDb, on CCTV is informing the other terrorists where the police are coming from, hands talking about needing a Christmas miracle to get the vault opened, Christmas perspective at the end with Let It Snow playing. I understand why many people, including Brian, subscribe to this idea. After all, these elements are directly related to Christmas. But, for me, it's a bigger question. What makes a Christmas film? This is not easily answered. I'm reminded of other debates, including what is art? This debate often falls on the art is something different for everyone, and with regards to what makes a Christmas film, this question is open to individual interpretation. However, that wouldn't let us reach a conclusion regarding Die Hard and its place under the banner Christmas Film. So, my interpretation is that a Christmas film should make you feel excited for Christmas and the season. A Christmas film will make me recall that feeling of pure joy and happiness that I have often felt at the festive time of year. Films do this in part by being set at Christmas. Clearly, Die Hard fits that element. However, lots of films and TV episodes do that, and I would argue against them being on my shelf ready for holiday viewing. Yet, I do love when I'm watching a film, TV show, or even a cartoon with the kids and some snow arrives or a Christmas tree is in the background. I get a wee shiver of excitement. But if it is short-lived and I wouldn't always consider it as a Christmas film, episode, etc. because it misses out on the main element for me, inspiring the feeling of excitement, nostalgia, and contentment that true Christmas films, in my opinion, are able to do. Controversially, that means I don't consider Sleepless in Seattle, Meet Me in St. Louis, Christmas films, or, bigger shock, Home Alone a true Christmas film. However, I wouldn't tell other people they aren't. It's just, if I want to have that glow, the Santa Claus, Santa Claus the movie, Muppets Christmas Carol or Elf, give me the warm, fuzzy feeling associated with Christmas time. And she puts a little asterisk here by Muppet Christmas Carol and says, Major Divert, the fact that the love is gone has gone from the DV Blu-ray releases of this movie makes it so much harder to see Scrooge's development. It's a pivotal moment for Kane's Scrooge realizing he took the wrong path. It's only through sharing his tears that we, as the audience, get to journey with him to the end. Major loss. Anyway, back to the main point of her email. So what are those warm, fuzzy feelings that I have? 
Christmas activities that I plan and look forward to each year, drinking hot chocolate, singing Christmas songs, decorating Christmas lights, Christmas goodies like cookies or baking, Santa stories, imagining the North Pole and all the shenanigans there, these put me in the season make me want to be there. I wonder if this ties into a male perspective of wanting to be involved in the adventure and take part in the role of John McClane, whereas I'd rather be Mrs. Claus baking some cookies, lol. However, we cannot ignore the fact that Die Hard is considered a Christmas film to possibly millions of people. Importantly, though, I love the fact that Die Hard is an alternative to people who don't like the cheesiness or overt festivities of a typical Christmas movie. It allows them to find their own way through the festivities, making it a Christmas film for them. This also allows me to get a bit of Christmas with my partner when he's not ready for the overt Christmas. This means those who wouldn't necessarily participate in watching Christmas films, whether it be due to wanting to be different, or they prefer something with a bit more risk, danger, or adventure. Then Die Hard does that. There are various Christmas merchandise inspired by Die Hard. Have you seen the Die Hard-inspired Christmas jumpers? I love them. Bought this one for Brian this year. And there's a picture of Now I Have a Machine Gun Ho 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 done as a Christmas sweater. I'll put a link to that picture in the show notes. Anyway, finally, I think a major part of Christmas is tradition. People love, including me, watching the same films every year, listening to the same songs and repeated annual activities. I believe many people have taken Die Hard on as one of their traditions, a must-watch for the season, therefore part of getting into the spirit. In conclusion, I personally have a bit of yippee ki nay for Die Hard. It doesn't create the wonderful festive magic, but this is out of my hands. The Die Hard fans have spoken, and my final conclusion, yippee ki yay it must be. Die Hard is part of the modern world of Christmas films, and I love a little bit of Christmas no matter how it comes, so persuading Brian to watch this in May was an easy task. Take care and keep smiling, Michelle and Brian. Well, thank you, Michelle and Brian. A lot of information there, but you kind of sat the fence. Because, I mean, you ultimately concluded with yippee ki yay, but you put plenty of evidence in there for yippee ki nay. I like it. Because the people are going to have to make up their own mind when we do this vote at the end of the year. But we're not done yet. We've got a couple more uh, opinions about Die Hard from the comment sections of last month's episode. This one comes from Brian, who says, Okay, Tim, I think it's time to put the whole Die Hard controversy to rest and all future debates of holiday filmness by establishing the Linus Test as the benchmark of all Christmas movies. The Linus Test is simple. Does the movie have that critical moment where Linus, of Peanuts fame, in case you hadn't already figured that out, could come into the film and say, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown? Think about it. Apply this to any of your holiday classics. Go ahead. I'll wait. While I'm waiting, I'll provide some examples of my own. The Grinch has Christmas dinner with all the Who's. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Ralphie falling asleep with snow falling outside the window. Narration saying, next to me in the blackness lay my oiled blue steel beauty, the greatest Christmas gift I'd ever received or would ever receive. Gradually, I drifted off to sleep, pranging ducks on the wing and getting off spectacular hip shots. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Jim Henson saying to Sprocket, well, these dishes aren't going to clean themselves. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Every time a bell wings that's what Christmas is all about he wrote it with those spaces in all capital letters Die Hard does not have a magical Linus moment anywhere in the entire film now I have a gun ho 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 and the line about New Year's at the end are the closest they come with no magic or wonder or spirit of the season it's as Christmassy as the free bank calendar that has Christmas Day observed on the square for December 25th there that should clear things up from this point forward you're welcome okay gauntlet thrown down But that wasn't it. Adam also left a comment that said, Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. It has a Christmas office party, Santa Claus references, Christmas music, and it snows at the end. More importantly, the internet agrees with me. The following sites rank Die Hard as top Christmas movies. L, top 25. IndieWire, top 20. Nerve, 18th. 
Ranker, 17th. Entertainment Weekly, 16th. Prima, top 13. Time Out New York, 11th. BFI, top 10. Rotten Tomatoes, 9th. Games Radar, 2nd. Empire, 1st. Forbes, 1st. Comedy Central, 1st. You can't argue with the internet. Uh, well. <laughs> Very nice, Adam. But Kyle actually responded to Adam in the comments and quoted part of his own comment back to him. He said, Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie. It has a Christmas office party, Santa Claus references, Christmas music, and it snows at the end. By that logic, it would be correct to say It's a Wonderful Life is definitely a sports movie because it has a swimming pool in it. Harry Bailey gets a football scholarship, George wears a football uniform at one point, and he goes jogging through Bedford Falls at the end of the film. Or Saving Private Ryan is definitely a summer vacation movie because it's about a group of Americans traveling through France. They send postcards home, it takes place in the summertime, and there's even a beach scene in it. Hmm? And Brian chimes back in with, The internet agrees with me is the least compelling argument I have ever heard in all of forever. Whoa, 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 all right, everybody, take a time out. Let's not get hostile. Let's put this debate to rest for now, but keep sending in your reasons why Die Hard is or isn't a Christmas movie. And if you're going to talk about it on social media, you can always hashtag it yippee ki yay or yippee ki nay This is their idea of Christmas. I gotta be here for New Year's. <laughs> oh, the weather outside is frightful. What the fire. And that'll do it for our 2017 Leon Day show. Remember that next month will be our all-listener feedback second year anniversary show. So if you have a Christmas Now tip, some Christmas news, an idea for a Christmas feature, be sure to send it in to us at christmas at tancast.com. All right, thanks so much for listening. Get out there, enjoy the rest of your Leon Day, and until we meet again for our second anniversary, keep laughing all the way. Thank you for listening to the Can't Wait for Christmas podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes, or we're available on Stitcher and Google Play as well. If you'd like to leave a comment on this or any episode, go to our official website at can'twaitforchristmaspod.com. While you're there, you'll find a link to our official Zazzle store, where you can grab customizable t-shirts, ornaments, bumper stickers, and all sorts of other Christmas merchandise all year long. You can also connect with us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash can'twaitforchristmaspod. Or on Twitter, we are at christmaspod. Or you could always send us an email directly at christmas at tancast.com. The Can't Wait for Christmas podcast is part of the Tancast Podcast Network. We Wish You a Merry Christmas was performed by the United States Marine Corps Band. And this amazing version of Jingle Bells on the Accordion was performed by the wonderful and talented Kristen Nowicki. All other music and sounds used in this episode are the properties of their individual copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. Okay, boys, did I forget anything? God bless us, everyone. I put the link in the recipe. <clears throat> I put the link to the recipe in the show notes of this episode. I can't wait for Christmas pod. Doc- I put the link to the recipe and <clears throat> stupid throat. Christmas in the sand. Colby Calais. Calier. 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 I looked it up. I'm just going to go with Calais. So, that's my list. Did I leave any out? What are your favorite warm weather... Third, I live in northeastern Ohio. So close to the Pennsylvania border... Vorder? It's a vorder. Yeah, sure, why not there? 
Why, why do I go Canadian? Doesn't even sound Canadian. You sound like an American trying to do a Canadian accent and you stink at it. All right. No need to be hostile. Anyway, in Her- Herm- Hermitage, sure, why not? Anyway, in Hermitage, Pennsylvania, there's a store called Cranax. 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 She wrote it phonetically, and I'm still having trouble. <laughs> you boy, you boy, you boy. An early Christian author, Tertullian? Tertullian? Sure, we're going to go with Tertullian. It is hot in this garage. It is hot in this garage. Tim is sweaty. Tim is sweaty. No one likes it when Tim is sweaty. Yeah. Hello, Tim. My name is Michelle. I live in Calder Crooks in Scotland. There's no chance that that's how you pronounce that. Calder Crooks? Cal... Copy. So it's either Calder Crooks or Calder Crooks. How to pronounce is not helping me. We're going to just pick one and run with it. Here we go. I wonder if this ties into a male perspective of wanting to be involved in the adventure and take part in the role of John McCain. John McCain. (laughs) That'd be a different movie. Let's put this debate for rest for now, but keep sending in your reasons for why Die Hard is or isn't a movie. It is a movie. Let me try that again. It's definitely a movie. That much is certain. We can all agree on that.